Jesus' name, amen. What a person says about Christ reveals the character of that person. Uh, what he says about Christ reveals the character of his ministry. And uh, the, in fact, uh, you, there's one of the best ways to determine whether a man is a true preacher, a true man of God, is what he says about Jesus Christ. This is how we see that John the Baptist was such a great man of God. Uh, this is In seeing what John said about Christ, and we'll look at three things, hopefully we'll get through all of them tonight, uh, the witness of Christ, the work of Christ, and then the worship of Christ. We'll look at these three different areas that John focused on, and uh, hopefully it'll be a help to us. Starting out with the witness of Christ. Now, to be a witness of Christ was John's foundational calling. That was his purpose for coming. The Bible makes that clear in what we just read. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. And John did his duty. If you go down to verse 15, you'll see the Bible says, John bear witness of him. So he did what he was supposed to do. No one witnessed for Jesus Christ better in the New Testament than did John the Baptist. Now, I'd like to look first of all at the meaning of this witnessing. Because today we use the word witness all the time. We're told to witness for Christ, and we should. But I'd like to delve just into, uh, really, what does this witness mean? What does it mean to really be a witness for Christ? Is it just taking someone down the Romans road? Is it just handing someone a gospel tract? And although these things are very important, and I'm not discrediting to those methods, you know I constantly encourage you and anybody uh, that will listen to give out gospel tracts. I do that myself, and I think that's important. Uh, but true witnessing, the kind of witnessing that John the Baptist did, involves much more than that. And in fact, I believe witnessing, if we look at the Bible definition of what witnessing is, is going to involve a lot more than what people realize. To find out what really it means, let's look at the word. Uh, by the way, if you want to study the word witness in the Bible, the best place to go to is the book of John. The book of John uh, talks about the witnessing more than any of the other Gospels. In fact, the word witness in its noun and verb form is found 47 times in the book of John, and in all the other three Gospels combined, it's only found six times. And so John really focuses on this idea of being a witness. Now, the word's meaning involves three important methods that need to be a part of our witnessing. We need to ha in, in our witnessing, we need to be a public testimony. In Thayer's Greek-English lexicon, we're told that this word means to give testimony. Now, that's the basic element of witnessing. But if you're going to witness for Christ and you're going to do it correctly, then you must go public with that witness. We see it in detective shows all the time. Uh, not only is it the detective's job to find the truth, but to ask that ever-important question of uh, the person he's talking to, are you willing to testify? In other words, he's, he's asking, are you willing to go public with it? And if we're going to be a witness for Christ, we cannot be silent in that witness. We have to be willing to make a public declaration of some sort. The witness of John the Baptist certainly was public. He was not shy about his talking of Jesus Christ. He spoke out before the multitudes. He told them about Christ. You cannot do, be a witness if you do nothing to help others learn about Jesus Christ. You may not be able to speak to multitudes like John did, but you can talk to individuals. And I believe it is every Christian's responsibility to be a witness of Jesus Christ, a public testimony. Now, you'll, you'll notice if you read your Bible, the New Testament, that never 
in the Bible does it talk about witnessing or evangelism being a gift. Rather, it is a command, I believe, that applies to every one of us. Not only a public testimony, but a competent testimony. If you look this word up in Hendrickson, it tells you, it says it means a competent testimony concerning that which one has himself seen, heard, or experienced. So to be a genuine witness for Christ, we ought to know what we're talking about. Uh, one commentator put it this way, a witness is one who knows what he says, says what he knows, he deals not with speculations, he speaks not of his own opinions, but he testifies to what he knows to be the truth. John the Baptist was an extremely competent testimony. For example, the Bible says, John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. John chapter 1, verse 32 and verse 34. This was not guesswork. This was not speculation. Uh, this was not imagination. He spoke from personal experience and knowledge. He spoke as a direct Revelation from God. One reason I believe for the lack of witnessing today among uh, Christian people is a deficit of a personal experience that leaves out the Word of God. Witnessing is not a discussion group. Uh, witnessing is not a sharing of opinions or ideas. Witnessing is a declaration with the conviction of what we know about Jesus Christ. And how many people really go through their Christian life never really experiencing much of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The less we know about Christ, the less value our witness will have. Spiritual ignorance then does not promote a good witness for Jesus Christ. And this is one of my goals here at Bible Baptist Church is that we would not be a spiritually ignorant people, but that we would have a good working Bible knowledge so that we may have a powerful witness. So we should have a public testimony. We should have a competent testimony. And then finally, a dedicated testimony. The word translated witness in John chapter 1 verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Now this word witness, the original word is martyria. We actually get our English word martyr from that word that is translated witness. The association uh, is kind of interesting to me, especially uh, the, the, the fact that you would, I mean, we, we think witness sometimes, uh, we think of witnessing in our mind, and we just think of handing out a gospel tract. Well, the Bible uh, associates the word martyr with the word witness. Essentially, what this means is a, a martyr is one who bears witness by his death. And what does all that mean for us? To witness for Christ means that you're going to take a strong stand that you will back up with your life. As a true witness for Christ, you are no longer neutral, nor can you be neutral. You have committed yourself. You're basically laying your life on the line. This was true for John the Baptist. You know, after he was so strong on his witnessing for Jesus Christ, eventually it cost him his very life. Now, it might not cost us our life, but I would say that true witnessing for Christ involves more than we realize and probably more than many of us are willing to, uh, to pay that price. So let's be diligent in our witnessing. Look at then the mission of this witnessing, the purpose of John's witnessing uh, for Jesus Christ. The purpose is stated in John 1.7 that all men uh, through him might believe. John the Baptist, if I can remind you again, was sent to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. He was sent to get people pre prepared to receive Christ, not to reject him. Now, did everyone who listened to John accept Christ? Not at all. 
Many people rejected Christ, even though John gave a great witness, but that is not John's fault, nor will it ever be laid at his feet. He was just the messenger. And can I say, so are you. When we give the message of Jesus Christ, when we are a witness, when we, whether it be given a gospel tract, whether it be given the gospel to someone, we're backing it up with our life, we're standing firm on the message of the gospel. If you're found faithful in your message, that is all that is required of you. Our mission to lift up Christ, uh, to encourage others to believe in him. Uh, this is unfortunately not the primary goal of many of the religions of the world today. In fact, most religions that you find in the world today work to not maximize Christ, but to minimize him. Not long ago, I was accosted by two Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, just as our conversation was beginning, I, I began by asking them a question. I, I said, before we even start talking, I'd like to ask you a question. Who is Jesus Christ to you? And as soon as I hear that Jesus is not God, Jesus is not eternal, uh, Jesus is not part of the Trinity. Uh, he is not everlasting. Well, that is as soon as then our conversation is over. At that point, we have no common ground with which to work. You see, what a man does with Jesus Christ determines whether he is a true child of God. John came, the Bible says, to bear witness of the light, not of himself. This is an important thing as well, uh, because we are not here to build ourselves up. Uh, the object of testifying or witnessing for Christ is not to exalt the one doing the witnessing. We are always, always to be about the work of exalting Christ. So that's being a witness for Christ. Then he talks about also the work of Christ. Now the Bible records John speaking about three distinct and important things that Christ would do. His baptizing with the Spirit, uh, his judging of sinners, and is sacrificing for salvation. In other words, you, uh, in other language that's given in the Bible, Christ's work would have to do with the Spirit of God, the judgment of God, and the Lamb of God. Uh, looking at his uh, work with the Spirit of God, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible says, He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, the great blessing of the Holy Spirit that indwells each and every one of us today did not come about without the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, prior to the... Prior to this time in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the Spirit coming down on man in limited times, uh, special tasks and special occasions. We see it in the life of Samson. We see it in other people in the Old Testament. Uh, it was a temporal thing. It was not available for every everyone. Now, several times in the Old Testament, uh, they hinted at what was to come. Joel 2.28, I will pour out my Spirit on, upon all flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Now, it seems to me that the Israelites who knew the Old Testament, uh, this should excite them, especially if they are spiritually hungry, that when John spoke of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, their hearts should have been prepared for it. Unfortunately, many were not. So that was his work in the Spirit of God, and then we see his work in the judgment of God. In John 5, 27, John the Baptist says that God hath given Christ to the authority to ex execute judgment. Now, this is not popular preaching. Judgment is never popular. It isn't popular today. It wasn't popular in the time of John the Baptist. Uh, we, or people today, like to hear about a meek and loving Jesus, one that would not hurt a flea. Ear-tickling preachers today never talk about Jesus bringing judgment upon anyone. They would never dream of saying anything that might 
paint Jesus in a picture of being unloving or unkind. Now, this is an unholy view of Jesus Christ because he has plenty to do with judgment. John spoke about Christ and his judgmental work. He used words like baptizing with fire, Matthew 3.11, burning chaff and unquenchable fire, Matthew 3.12. These terms were strong because he was using them to show how terrible the sins of man are. Now, Jesus is wonderful and loving. We know that as we uh, accept him as our Savior, but if you reject him, then you will have to pay for your own sin, and it will be through his justified wrath. John 3.18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but that he believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Essentially, friend, you have a choice. You can either accept his payment for your sin that he suffered on the cross of Calvary, or you can pay for your sin yourself. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wage of that sin, the wages of our sin, the wages of sin is death. Again, this is not now nor was it then popular preaching, but it was necessary and John uh, was faithful in delivering it. We also see his work as the Lamb of God. Uh, John said this, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. Uh, he said, the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. This is the reason that Jesus came to earth. Oh, I know Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived. He was the greatest preacher. He was the greatest example that we have in front of us. He was a great prophet. Uh, but his greatest work and his main work coming for us was redemption. And I'm glad for this because this is man's greatest need. Man, your greatest need and my greatest need is a redeemer to have our sin taken away. You see, sin defiles, sin ruins, sin destroys, sin deadens in this life, sin, sin damns you to hell in the next life, and sin is what alienates us from God. John's ministry was, was uh, purposefully there to bring people to an awareness of this sin. That's why he preached uh, repentance. That's why he... Uh, brought men sin. We talked last week, we showed the different groups that he preached to and he showed them their sin. The reason was to get them to the place to recognize their need of Christ. The problem for Israel is the same problem as John Q. Public today. People do not recognize their need for a Savior. They do not realize the seriousness of their own sin. In fact, the Israelites in that day, they viewed their need as physical. They viewed their need as political. They wanted somebody to deliver them from Rome. They wanted a lion, not a lamb. But John says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Even today, uh, Jesus in a manger is more popular than Jesus on the cross. Jesus as a teacher, an example, a leader, is more popular than Jesus, the one who takes away the sin of the world. But taketh away the sin of the world, that's why he came. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. By the way, this states three important truths. Number one, he is needed by all men. Saying the Lamb takes away the sin of the world tells us that the whole world is in need of the Lamb. This lamb was not just for Israel. This lamb was for everyone. Everyone needs this lamb of God to take away their sin. Secondly, he can save all men. When the Bible says he is able to take away the sins of the world, this is not just the sin of a few. He is able to forgive any sin. No sin is too great. No sin is too small, but that the lamb cannot cleanse it. Oh, aren't you glad for that tonight? 
I love the verse, 1 John 1, 9, if we shall confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, and that would be good enough, but the verse doesn't end there. It says to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christ can save any sinner who comes to him for salvation. Also, this, just this simple statement, taketh away the sin of the world, uh, is, uh, proves he came for all, not just a few. This disputes the wicked, godless, uh, the, the, the falsehood of Calvinism that is so rampant today. Jesus came and will save anyone who comes to him. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So he is needed by all men. He can save all men. But thirdly, he alone can save all men. He is the only one that the Bible ever says is able to take away the sin of the world. John's statement allows no room for other lambs or other saviors. This is the lamb, he says, which taketh away the sin of the world. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is none other name among heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is not Mary, it is not Joseph Smith, it is not Muhammad, it is not Buddha or any other person that can save. Only Christ can take away man's sin. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. What a statement. What a great truth of the Word of God. So we see not only the witness of Christ and the work of Christ, but finally the worship of Christ. John the Baptist recognized Jesus Christ in his worship of him. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he says this, He that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. What you say about Jesus Christ certainly will affect how you worship him. And John had a great doctrine of Jesus Christ here. His high view of Christ, we see in three things he said about him. Uh, he looked at Christ as a far superior to himself. Repeatedly, John the Baptist stressed this. He said, here, he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Now, this is a big thing to say. John, if you remember, is very famous by now. Wherever he goes, crowds of people flock to him. He's considered a very great person. He's a popular preacher. Uh, to be mightier than John is really to be somebody, and John did not hesitate. He that cometh after me is mightier than I. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist continually exalts Christ afar above himself. He said in John 1.15, He that cometh after me is preferred before me. In John 1.30, he said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. In John chapter 3, verse 28, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. Listen, friend, we need to have a very high view of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we will view him correctly, we will worship him correctly. And this is what John uh, was so good about John's ministry here. He had a great view of the superiority of Christ. Not only that, but the pre-existence of Christ. In John 1.15, he says, He was before me. Now John, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 36, was six months older than Jesus was, chronologically speaking. And I'm talking about physical body. He was born before Christ was born. So how could Christ be before him? Well, the answer is very clear. Jesus was God. Jesus existed long before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. And Jesus said the same thing, by the way, uh, when he was quizzed by his enemies. In John eight fifty seven. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. 
to confess the pre-existence of Christ. When John did that, he made it very clear, uh, speaking about the deity of Christ and who he really was. So he talked about the superiority of Christ. He talked about the pre-existence of Christ and then also the sonship of Christ. Uh, This is another testimony of the deity of Christ by John. In John chapter 1, if you're still there, in verse number 34, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. This is not, he did not say he was a Son of God like some false religions do. He said he is the Son of God. There's a big difference there. Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. John the Baptist believed that great truth. John the Baptist preached it unashamedly to anyone who would listen. Again, I believe that Christ is God And if we believe Christ is God, it will promote a proper worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see then his doctrine of Christ. Also look at his devotion to Christ. He was very devoted. John chapter 3 verse 29, uh, he says this, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Thus my joy therefore is fulfilled. Oh, we see his... his, uh, Devotion in this verse. Look what he says here. He says he is uh, standing. Uh, He said, which standeth and heareth him. Standing for someone denotes respect for that person. You picture someone, if you're with a group of people and someone very uh, important walks in the room and uh, people stand in reverence to him uh, and respect to him. And that's, uh, that's just what we do. It's something that we do out of respect. The problem is today that we are standing for the wrong people. We give much honor and respect to those who do not deserve it. We give little honor and respect to those who do deserve it. When famous men today, whether they be politicians or famous people or athletes or whatever the case might be, uh, they come into our pre- presence, we would be quick to jump to our feet, but when the godly walk into our midst, often it does not make a splash. Let's make sure that we, like John, are standing for the right people. Not only does he say he stood, but he was hearing. He was listening. John the Baptist was focused on every word that Jesus had to say. John said he was a friend of the bridegroom who heareth him. We listen to those we love, uh, th- those that we love. We listen to those that we're devoted to. Maybe you remember when you were first dating uh, your spouse and you would get a love letter and you would read it and you would reread it. This is back in the day when we wrote love letters on actual paper with a pen or a pencil and we gave them uh, physically, not electronically. But uh, I, w- I remember I would get a note like that and I'd read it and reread it and memorize it and, and uh, keep it with me for days and it meant something. And those in love with Jesus Christ will listen to him speak. They will want to get into his word. They will devour it. They will love the preaching of the word of God. Oh, listen, if we're in love with Christ, though we ought to be in love with Christ, uh, we will not only stand for him, we will listen and uh, hear him. And then there was rejoicing. Uh, We give away our true self by what we rejoice in. John says he rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. He said also this, my joy therefore is fulfilled. Now, delight and devotion go hand in hand. And John delighted in Jesus Christ. I'd like to ask you tonight, what do you delight in? We live in crazy times right now and and, uh, uncertain times. What do you take your delight in? I was just talking to somebody today uh, that came in and uh, was talking about being 
discouraged until they spent some time in the Psalms and that encouraged them. Uh, what a great thing when we can encourage ourselves in the Lord or in the Word of God. We also see John's great deference to Christ. Jesus Christ had first place in John's life. In John chapter 3, verse 30, and we'll talk about this verse more later uh, at a, in a different message, but I want to read it now. It's a simple, simple statement that John made, but it's a tremendously uh, deep statement that he actually struggled with much uh, in, in a great way a little later. But it's what he said. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Uh, this was a statement made in result to some of John's disciples coming to him and saying, now all men come to him, talking about Jesus. This is found in verse 26. Uh, they were concerned. Hey, John, they're not coming to you anymore. They're not following you anymore. Now they're following Jesus. And John replied, he must increase. I must decrease. Oh, listen, friend, if you could have that attitude in your life, if I could have that spirit in everything that I do, I must decrease. He must increase. John's crowd was diminishing. Jesus was becoming the main attraction now. How many men would get envious, jealous, angry, upset over this change? But not John. John said, this is just what I was sent here for. I'm here to lift him up. I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. John's desire was for Christ to be preeminent. I think one of the greatest problems of mankind is that we are too often egocentric when we need to be Christocentric. Uh, we are so full of ourselves, and we constantly work to build ourselves up when our job should be to work up and build up Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 should be our practice. For me, to live is Christ. John said it was to be less of self and more of the Savior. To exalt Christ properly, we must walk humbly before Him. Uh, what is your life's mission tonight? Is it to build up yourself, or is it to build up your Savior? We're not going to have the proper witness of Christ if we don't have the proper worship of Christ. We're not going to have the proper worship of Christ if we're not going to place Him in the right priority of our lives. And we cannot ever, ever put ourselves above the Lord Jesus Christ. So true worship will not occur until we get the right doctrine about Christ. John had that. The right devotion about Christ. John certainly had that. And the proper deference to Christ. And John also had that in his life. He did very well in all of these areas. How about you tonight? Uh, how are those areas found in your life? Uh, do you have the right priorities when it comes to Jesus Christ in your life? Uh, we ought to be witnessing, just like John did. But we won't witness if we don't have... Uh, uh, the proper attitude about Christ and his work. Uh, we ought to be talking about the work of what Christ wants to do in the lives of those around us. And so we need to be faithful here. And then ultimately worshiping uh, together. It saddens me that as we talk about worshiping even tonight, that we can't do so together. We can't do so in the building. I'm thinking about even Sunday, uh, that uh, we, Easter of all days. We're not able to be together in Easter, and that saddens me, but I trust that we will do it in this format. I, I encourage you strongly to be here with us. I know many people have uh, dinners planned with family, limited family probably, but uh, please make some time for a Sunday morning and join us again in our live stream at 1030 on Sunday morning for our Easter service. 
uh, have a great message that the Lord's laid on my heart I want to share with you. Uh, so I certainly want to spend that time with you. Until then, we're certainly praying for you. Uh, continue to do so. Pray for one another. Uh, lift up the Cruz family at this time. And uh, just uh, want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you every day. And I know many others are as well. So let's close now. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we uh, even put this simple message tonight in practice. Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful. I know it's a time when we're supposed to be social distancing, but may you...